If you're buying an Airbnb, you're buying someone else's optimization and you're going to pay more than retail. And if you're paying way over retail, which is possible if you're buying a rooming house or an Airbnb or something that is zoned a certain way, but doing something else, it could be a real trap and you have to be very careful. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey everyone, welcome to Big Fat Real Estate Checks. I am delighted to have Francesco Galluccio next to me and Gabriel Araish as well. All from Canada, but now all in Florida in my studio. And we are going to have some fun recording some podcasts. And hopefully it's not going to take us three days to record one podcast, like episode 100. It would hopefully only take us two days to record one podcast. So let's see if we can shave that time up a little bit. And today we're going to talk about how to actually the dangers of evaluating a property based on income when it's a residential property or the asset class is being sold with a different business model within it, like an Airbnb being sold as a Airbnb in a residential property and overpaying for assets because you're buying a business as well as the asset itself. So we're gonna have a little bit of fun discussing this. We see this a lot and we thought we'd share this uh, information with you guys. Of course, our, our focus is to give you as much value as possible. Of course, we mentor, we help folks uh, that want to use skills, not money, to buy assets. And if you have not listened to the first 100 episodes, you don't need to listen to all of them, but at least watch the top 10 or listen to the top 10 wherever podcasts are available. And we appreciate you liking, loving, and sharing this, uh, commenting on it as well. And uh, the more comments you give us, the better it is. And we appreciate that very much. So who wants to get this thing started? Who wants to get the party started here with the dangers of having an asset that is sold perhaps as a residential property and you're you know they're using cap rate in order to get to the sale price or using a different business model than the asset really is and we'll see if we can unpeel that onion i think there's two business models that we need to kind of take a look at there's yes the airbnb is becoming a lot more uh, popular these days so that's definitely one of them the other one is rooming houses so we can maybe cover that a little bit later frank if you want so in terms of airbnb so the real danger is you're looking into buying a property. It's really a residential property. I Basically, it's going to be a four units or less. And the landlord is currently renting them out either a nightly basis, weekly basis, using the short-term rental approach, if you will. And typically, a short-term rental approach, when it's when the location is good enough for that, you'll be able to make a lot more money than if you were renting this on a monthly basis. Sure, there's some additional expenses that come with it in that Airbnb model, but it but it works. It's basically like turning your place into a hotel. So with that being said, what happens is your revenues at the end of the year are extremely high. Yes, your expenses are higher, but then you have a, an NOI that's probably a lot higher than it would be otherwise. And that's only one part of the issue. So you have high income, but the seller now is using this income to sell you their property. And they're going to say, well, you know, the cap rate in this area is, you know, whatever it is, 7%, 6%. And they're going to use their net income on that rental income and divide it by 7% to get what they feel is the value and what they want to sell you the property on. So that's the one danger. Why? Because We've mentioned in prior podcasts that the way you value a residential property, so anything that's under five units, is going to be based on comparables. So if 
that street, for example, has a bunch of four unit properties and all these four unit properties are have a value or comparable sales value of say $300,000, but that your seller is trying to sell this to you at $600,000 because they're using the income component to value the property. This is where you might have an issue. In fact, not you might, you will run into an issue for two reasons again. So one is funding. So if you want to buy this property, say you do accept the $600,000 purchase price. Well, you're going to try and go get funding. And before you get funding, typically there's an appraisal. Whoever's lending you the money is going to be doing appraisal. Now, when they're making this appraisal, they're not looking at the business model. They're looking at what asset class this is. And as a four unit property, it's a residential. So they're going to be looking at the comparable values. And when they see that everything around is selling for 300, and you're buying it at 600, they're gonna lend you based on the $300,000 value because that's how they assess their risk. So if they're lending you say 80% of 300,000, they're only giving you $240,000, you have a purchase price of 600, you're gonna have to come to the table with a lot of money. And that's not the right way of doing real estate, at least not the way you know we'll teach you. And so that's one problem, but let's say you don't even need funding here. You decide that you're buying this cash and you don't care and you don't have this appraised. You throw $600,000 on the table. Two, three years later, if you've maintained this Airbnb purchase uh, business model and you're doing great, you've actually brought the income a little bit higher and now it's time for you to refinance your property. So you want to refinance, why? Because you want to take your money and, and put into another asset, which is the right thing to do. That's how you recycle and you grow wealth. Well, you're going to run into the same issue. So you're going to go ask a bank to refinance you and they're going to say, okay, great. We're going to appraise this property. And here we go. It's appraised based on the comparable values and everything else on your street. Let's say it's inflated and now everything's worth 400,000. Call it even 500,000 or even let's say 600,000, which is what you paid for it. You're only going to get a percentage of loan to value, say 80% again of that $600,000 value, comparable value. So that's $480,000 that they're going to lend to you. You paid 600. So now you have about what? $120,000 of basically dead equity. That's just sitting there that you won't be able to tap into unless you're holding this thing forever. So that's kind of the dangers here when you're looking at an Airbnb business model. Or selling it. You're never going to get capital, capital back. Well, if I'm selling an Airbnb, if I like, if I like, I turn my house into an Airbnb, if I sell my house, I'm trying to sell it on income too. I mean, that's right. how I would try and sell it and see if I find someone who's willing to buy that way. But I would call that a sucker. The buyer. 100%. It's not just Airbnb. It's other business models. Rooming houses are very popular where they rent. You know, it's a residential home. I've seen We've seen this many tickets like that where it's a residential home and maybe there is, you know, five, six rooms in there. They have a common kitchen where everyone shares the kitchen. And, you know, sadly, some of them you have to share the bathroom. There's three or four bathrooms that they share, but they rent by the room. And the income, like you said, could be phenomenal. It could be great from an income perspective. But in the end, the bank, when you go refinance or you go sell or whatever, is always going to look at the value and say, shit, this is a house, right? It's a house, it's residential. We're going to give you X amount of the value to cash out. Or if you do sell it, they're going to give you what the comps are. But I wanted to mention also with some people do this with hotels where it's a hotel, but they treat it as a multifamily. So you have to look at what the seller's business model is and compare it to what you're trying to do with it. And then first thing is, if it's less than four units, then sadly, you got to treated as a residential and another trap is when a lot of realtors they have a portfolio of uh residential so they have you know they say 20 units or 25 units right or you know whatever 10 duplexes those are still considered residential but they're going to sell you on obviously what looks more attractive yep. which is the income approach 
And then, you know, depending on what your exit strategy is, you may get screwed in the end. Like Gabe said in his example, you're going to overpay for it. And then when it's time to refinance or sell it, you're left holding the bag, which sucks. Definitely. Example of this, I was in Singapore doing an event and there's a couple that were sold a property in the U.S. from a company and they were making a 10% return and they were all excited about it. And once they had seen the processes that I have in place, they're like, wait, we want to sell this and go into some bigger units. But we're thrilled with this 10% return. I'm like, wow, because in Asia, a 10% return is like a unicorn. This company went in and just sold a ton of real estate to folks that wanted a 10% return. And that's after management, taxes, insurance, like this is net, net, net 10%. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty good, right? Pretty decent. Absolutely. So they're very happy with it. They paid $80,000. They made 8000 a year and it was great. And then, so they said, I want to cash out of this. I'm like, okay, what's the, you know, how many units? First question I ask and they tell me three. And then my heart sank to the floor because I knew they had bought this on a 10% cap rate with only three units. This is a residential property. You can't buy in a cap rate on residential property. So I looked it up and the comparables were less than $50,000. They paid $80,000 for a piece of real estate that is only worth less than 50. And that's an immediate $30,000 loss the day they bought it. And that $8,000 that they make a year in five years from now, they'll basically break even with inflation to just make zero. So they actually didn't make 10% a year. It was a lie. It was a fictitious 10% a year. They should have actually bought it for 30% under 50,000, which would have been about 35. And they did not do that. So they, they basically paid more than double than what they should have by not knowing because ignorance is very expensive and understanding exactly what the asset class is and how you should be buying it is extremely important and all of us have seen as you were saying before these package of properties where they're selling on cap rate which is exactly what frank just said and you're buying oh this is exciting 20 percent return holy shit, this is great and it's going to be exactly like this opportunity i was just talking about from this couple in singapore in that you could be paying double the actual value of the asset because you're buying on the wrong I guess matrix on the wrong you know number on the wrong valuation right so the only way that that would work thinking about it is if your exit strategy is if you do have lazy money and you're not looking for a refi later on and your intentions is to keep it maybe give it to your kids or whatever then if you reverse engineer this and you keep a property that's cash flowing handsomely and over you know a, a seven or a ten year period you may recoup that equity back and still cash flow so that's the only it's going to limit your exit strategies that's the only thing and it's a terrible thing to do because you you don't want to be limited to one exit strategy you should have at least minimum two if not three exit strategies that's the only i would almost disagree in mm -hmm. that why overpay for something on cap rate because if you buy it right the first time you'll still get the appreciation and be forced to make more money so you're you're only catching up, which actually is a mistake. I understand what you're I, saying. But if I have lazy money and I don't trust the stock market, I don't trust that. So then know, buy at least retail. Well, that's fine, right? Buy retail. But even if you look at it this well, but buy retail, you make your cash flow. Yes. And then if you, as I was just saying, if you reverse engineer and say, okay, you know, I'm making on this house, I'm making $8,000 because they're treating it as an Airbnb. So I'm making $8,000 or $5,000 a month. You're making 60000 a year. So if you factor in what you're paying for, even if it's at retail or even above retail a little bit, you have to factor in how, how long is it going to take on that cash flow because the cash flow, if you rent that house at a, how much is that? Just say a house rents for $2,000, mm. but you're making five on this model. It can actually work if your long game is to keep it. Now I understand what you're saying. Yes, but yes. So again, if all other variables stay the same, right? And that's kind of the risk here, which maybe is outside of the context of this podcast, but like I've seen locations where they've started 
banning Airbnbs for yeah. certain sectors or whatnot. So now all of a sudden you fall back on your model where you have to rent it monthly and then that whole premise is dead, right? So you have to be careful. Again, all, all, all other variables equal. say That's equal. Thing, yes. I, I can't I'm not disagree, saying it's great. Yes. I'm just saying there is a possibility that you're still going to cash flow on this property, even if you do keep it that same business model, but it's going to limit your, yes. your your exit strategies. And yes, if laws change and the neighborhood says, no, that's it, you can't do short-term rental or whatever the case is, then you're fucked. That's the risk you're taking. Well, that's the risk you're taking yeah. by buying for paying too much yeah. anyway. Yeah. In any ways, if, like I said, if you have lazy money too, there's a million and one other ways to I'm not to saying do that I would do that. No, I know. I know. Well, that's complete laziness at that point. I mean, Private so equity. Just don't, you, you just <laughs> want to throw money into something. Yeah. You might as well just put your money into private equity fund but the or, reality, or Bitcoin or, you know, some crypto and just forget about it for 20 years because. Yeah, but there's no cash flow. So that this is true. Yeah, this is so true. You're right. This, if you want to speculate, I get yeah, it. Okay, fair but enough. like I said, private yeah. equity fund, have somebody else do all the work and just content with a return. That's probably your best route. You know, if you have lazy money, you don't want to do any work, but, but there's no cash flow in a private equity fund either. There is. You get monthly. If cash it's flow? a real estate. Yeah. If it's a, okay. Yeah. And there's some other models that do that too. Are but, we doing, we're not doing that in ours. Giving the monthly cash flow? It's not no. a recurring cash flow. Yeah. There is a cash flow that's going to be paid out at one point. Yeah. yeah. It's a quarterly cash flow, but if yes. you want monthly, then it's going to be different. Correct. Yeah. But there are some out there that do that. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. There's, and I think we went on a few tangents here. Yes. The question is, is are you buying based on the actual value of the asset or buying the business as opposed to the actual value of the asset? Like in a hotel, the business is part of the real estate. They're together. Mm -hmm. You can't buy a hotel and just buy the asset and then, well, actually you could buy the building and then rent out the interior of the hotel, which can be done, but you know. If that's, that's your model, yeah, if you do a if, master lease and just rent it on, you own the hotel, which is, If I you get. buy the hotel right, then yes, you can do that, right? If you but overpay it, but for is, the hotel. it is based then, on income, right? That valuation anyways. It's gonna so be based on the rental that you get. Correct. Of the oh, income, sorry, correct. If, you're, if you're leasing it out, yes. Yeah, based on the rental or, you know, apartment complex or an office building. There's a lot of angles to do this, but so, you have two options. Go back to the Airbnb model. Would you rather buy a property and do your own Airbnb, so pay less than retail, put in your own Airbnb if you have the experience, and then explode your income because you're doubling or tripling the revenue. Mm -hmm. So you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you're buying an Airbnb, you're buying someone else's optimization and you're going to pay more than retail. So as you know, we have a sign in the office that says retail is for suckers and if you're paying way over retail, which is possible if you're buying a rooming house or an Airbnb or something that is zoned a certain way, but doing something else, it could be a real trap and you have to be very careful. Yeah. Yeah. Just for the rooming houses, selling them because of the funding model, a lot of lenders are afraid of lending against rooming houses because it's, there's a lot of risk or just by the nature of who stays in a rooming house, there's a lot of risk. So, you know, I have a buddy who has a rooming house and he's doing really well like cash flow wise it's unreal and so now with the values of properties going up he's like you know what the hell let me try selling it and there are people that are experts in buying that like this is kind of their business model so they'll come in with more cash than what a typical down payment would be but they expect you to to hold the rest like there's no lender that's going to come into this they it's a lot harder to sell so you either might have to take a discount when selling or you'll have to you know lend or be a or a mortgage holder if you will for the potential buyer and then live with those risks so so on that note with the lenders well the reason lenders don't like it is because it's and that's sustainable so forgive me it could be sustainable it's not consistent income all right so if you have a rooming house, you can stay in this room that we're in right now for, you know, for a month or two, and then decide to leave in January. So you got too much uh, 
flexibility with tenants coming in and out or your guests coming in and out. And plus, I, even with insurance, they don't like it because it's a liability How issue. the hell are you going to manage it? Like someone leaves, they don't pay, or they pay and they don't leave? How do you get rid of Oh, uh, You need a well, special you to, type you of manager a, right, for that. So, you need a specialized management for that. Yeah, they have to be there almost every day if people are checking in and out or like a brothel or, you know. But, but there's again. Broth- there's brothel models, <laughs> which is... Not to the, knock on them though, right? Like it's there. It is a business it, it, model. It is right? a business yeah, model where you're renting the hotel out by the hour. In Japan, it's very common. In Asia, it's extremely common to go to a hotel for an hour or two, They're and that's it. That's just it's. And their hotels are everywhere. In the U.S., it's very uncommon. And you can turn over. You can have a 30 room hotel that looks like a 150 room hotel because they sell these rooms two or three or four five times a day. It's like right? turning tables at a restaurant. Like get the fuck yeah. out, yeah. Uh, you're, you're, eat your dinner and get out, and let's go yeah. next. You, you come and you go. Yes, <laughs> literally. No offense. <laughs> okay, come and go hotel. Yes, yeah, come and go hotel. But again, are you going to buy it on that business model? Which, in most cases, the owner is there every single day. He's playing the sheriff. You know, get the hell out. You know, That's they right. turn off the power if you're there for more than two hours. There's one just down the street that actually a lady from Singapore, Anna, was going to invest in. And getting financing for this was almost impossible because no one was down for the model. And how are you going to refinance it, which is what we discussed earlier. So there's a lot of challenges with that. And just to land this plane, just be aware of the dangers of buying a business model that's not suited to the actual asset class that you're buying. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. That's make sure right? you're not buying something that's disguised as something else. Exactly. So it's not a wolf in sheep's clothing or a sheep in wolf's clothing. You know, it's exactly what you're buying. And you should use your knowledge to optimize it, not take someone else's key knowledge or experience and then try to do the same thing because it's not going to happen. You have these hotel operators that have built the hotel, been there for 10 years, know the area. They can get their their numbers down to almost 11 or 12% expense ratio because they've optimized everything. They know everyone. They have special, you know, they base, they know everything about the town and they can really do things well. When some strange person comes into the community and tries to do the same thing, they're going to get eaten alive. So your expenses are always going to be different the first time you do something than someone that's been doing this for 22 years or 30 years or 50 years. Asha, I know there was there was a student of yours that had a property they were looking at, they were assessing. It was a hotel, but the hotel had other amenities on the property. One of them was docks with, they sell fuel for boats. And mm. they had a restaurant. And after looking at the financials, it wasn't a hotel they were really buying. The hotel was secondary. The actual main product was the fuel. Yeah, They were a gas station. Disguise. So I just want to add that. So it was a property disguised as a hotel, but really you're a gas station for marine vessels. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, there's there's so many examples of that. And yeah, I think we... Yeah, just be aware. That's really, I think the whole podcast is about making sure that you're aware that different business models can apply. You just got to make sure that the asset class you're buying, you know, the way you're funding it, the way you're going to get your money out of it, you need to assess that and make sure that that's going to be sustainable with the purchase price you're looking at. You just unjogged my memory. I don't know if you remember the mobile home park that had a laundromat in it. Remember that? Yes. Where most of the revenue was not the mobile home park. It was actually the laundromat, which is all coin and cash. And the student's like, yeah, yeah, look at the revenue on this. And I'm like, how are you going to collect all this cash in in the middle of Mississippi? Yeah, it makes a lot of money, but who are you going to trust? I know cash has legs. So is this really the asset that you want to buy that's going to be very cash intensive? And these are questions that you have to ask yourself as well. So it's important just to know what you're getting into, which is what these two gentlemen that, you know, have been communicating all along. And yeah. And if you're just make educated decision because ignorance is extremely expensive, extremely expensive. And our recommendation is get a mentor that has been there, done that, got the t-shirt, knows exactly what to do. It knows exactly how to analyze things. So you can really explode your wealth, minimize your mistakes full time, 
and get to optimum results as quickly as possible, specifically in these hyperinflationary times. Inflation has been going bananas, and the more income producing debt that you're in now, the more money you're going to make and wealth you're going to make later. And that's what we want for you. And uh, hopefully this was very helpful. Gabe, Frank, I appreciate you very much. And yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. And remember, like it, love it, share it, comment, let us know your opinion on the content that we give you. And I really appreciate you as a listener. And of course, my two brothers from another mother. It's really nice to have us all in the same room again, since what's been, uh, just give me a kiss. Oh no, weird. I was just there. All right, all right. Again. Oh. I can give you a kiss if you Golly want one. Gee Willikers. <laughs> Don't touch me there. All right. And uh, <laughs> looking forward to uh, seeing you guys on uh, the next episode. So thanks so much. Have a great day. And bye for now. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.